The era of the mind is king as over, and it's time to journey completely from our heads to our hearts and from our hearts to our higher hearts into our soul and embodying that, letting that be the essence of who we are. At this very moment, you're entering the vortex of Mystic Podcast. Hello, welcome back to Mystic Podcast. This is Daniela, and I have an amazing guest for us today. And before I go into that, I just want to say, oh my goodness, thank you so much for everybody that has been emailing me and sending me private messages about how much you're loving the podcast, how much all the episodes are you know giving to your life and and have been life-changing for you and and how much you feel seen and supported and loved and understood through the episodes of the podcast like oh my gosh this means so much to me and I just wanted to say thank you so much for the feedback I really appreciate it it's been so amazing to hear all of those things from all of you and to know that I've been received and that you've been received and that there is you know this beautiful connection you know, oh my gosh, I just thank you so much for all of you. And thank you so much for being here. If this is the first episode that you've ever listened in Mystic Podcast, welcome to the community. Welcome to Mystic Podcast and the Mystic community. And I am so excited that you're here. And I hope that you have an amazing time in this vortex. And today I have an amazing conversation with Melissa Buffington. I met Melissa because we are together in a mastermind and she came in a couple months ago and she's just such a remarkable person. She has so much to share and so many amazing, you know, point of views and, and what she's here to bring and her whole story is just so remarkable. Like an amazing, amazing, amazing human, heart-led woman. I mean, we talk about so much. We talk about uh, her pregnancy. We talk about her business. We talk about multidimensionality. We talk about the new earth that is here. I mean, there's just so, so much in this conversation. So just a little bit about Melissa. She's a holistic life and business coach, visionary and conscious leader of the evolution revolution, a global movement to birth the new earth. And she is on this planet to help the new waves of leaders rise and together forge the businesses, families, and communities of the future outside of the matrix. So you're quite, you're in for quite a conversation. We go like earth and cosmos and galaxies and like oh my goodness this is quite a ride so buckle up let's get started you know i think it's so interesting what you were just saying about complete surrender like what is that what is that for you what does it mean to completely surrender you know there's the surrender that i had experienced prior to this time in my life, which was like, okay, I'm doing my life. I'm doing the things I'm taking the action. I'm showing up for this stuff that I've committed to. And then, Oh, there's this thing that like, isn't working or that I can't figure out. Let me surrender that thing. Like that was kind of the experience. It was a here and there, like as needed kind of a, almost just like a tool in my toolbox, but there's something now that I'm in, I would say stepping into, but that has really not been an option for me. I've just been fully <laughs> submerged into this that I'm calling initiation of surrender of, of really becoming a complete divine channel for God or the universe or the divine or source or whatever to work through me in the world. Um, it's not conditional. It's not like, okay, but these things are in my control because I'm a manifester and I'm a co-creator. And so I'm going to do these things. And then let me surrender those things. It's not that it's everything. It's, there's so much energy here. There's so much like that I desire to see changed in the world. There's so much desire from people and from the planet and from animals and every being on the world to shift, to ascend, to evolve so much to happen here that there's nothing that my human mind or my little, you know, ego, not in a bad way, but like even just the sense of who I am as a human being, it can't hold it. So it's like a complete dropping of that into the space of 
I don't know who I am. I don't know if I'll ever know who I am. I don't need to know who I am because I can identify as whoever I need to be moment to moment to do whatever is meant to happen through me in each moment. Like there's a loss of all of these things that gave me a sense of like consistency and certainty and attachment to the material world. And it's not like my day-to-day is going to change that much or even has changed that much. I mean, it has to some extent, but not that much. It's just the way that I'm moving through it, the way that I'm experiencing it is so unattached. It's so surrendered. It's so not me, not about me. It's just through me. So it's not surrendering certain things. It's surrendering my entire life to move through me, work through me. I am here because I have these, I've integrated these foundational beliefs underneath that, that my desires are seeds planted by the divine in my heart that will inevitably be fulfilled when I walk my soul path, that everything is happening for me. I know what my future is. I can see it. It's more solid than the present moment even sometimes. I have all of these foundational beliefs I've integrated that now I can let go of everything else. And it doesn't mean I sit on my butt and I do nothing. It means I do what is required, which is sometimes it's wait, sometimes it's go, sometimes it's not yet. Um, But it's really dropping this mind, trying to figure everything out and using the mind as a tool in the precise moments it's needed, which is not super often, you know, especially when I have support in my life and my business to take care of logistical things. I don't need that part of my brain because that's not my job on the planet. (laughs) For some people, it might be, right? But it's just a deep, deep, deep level of letting go trust and faith. I love that because I can feel that there is a shift. You know, a lot of people talk about surrender and we kind of get the concept in our mind, what it means to like not overdo it or, but then we go into like the extreme opposite for a little while. And then we go back to overdoing it. And it's kind of like this back and forth because we get the concept intellectually but we don't really live the concept the concept of surrender and this is interesting because as you're talking and for those of you who are listening Melissa right now she's pregnant with a little magical and it's very interesting that you're saying these things now that you are pregnant because I've heard so many women talk about the embodiment of surrender not until they're pregnant Mm-hmm. So I wonder, you know, if it is a correlation between really, you know, giving your body and your being into creating a human being, and then all of a sudden, it's not even a, like, it's not even a choice. It's more like you've got to surrender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I feel that it's a combination of, well, everything is aligned perfectly, of course, because it always is. So what I'm experiencing, the conditions in my life are helping this to happen for me, making it my path. And this was the next step for me in my spiritual evolution. And this is what's happening and is needed for a huge wave of people in the collective. Because with what's to come in the world, there's going to be so much more chaos, so much more uncertainty, so much shifting in the material world that people aren't going to be able to rely on that. So we've got to be able to rely first and foremost and eventually entirely entirely on the invisible, on the unseen, on our intuition, on the divine, on God, on the only thing that is constant and that we can truly trust in. Because the rest of this is just a projection through us of, you know, different aspects of ourselves to be mirrored and integrated and right? This whole process of descending into 3D and then ascending back up through 4 into 5D. That's what it's about. It's not about the material world. It's about these things serving our inner working to come back home into who we are as spiritual beings. So yeah, you know, with what's happening in my business, this like rebirth and transformation of how those things are coming together, what's happening for my clients right now, what pregnancy is causing for me, just so many conditions in my life are aligned to bring me into this initiation simultaneously Um, as a lot of people I see and feel a lot of people moving through it as well and I feel that I can lead through it because I've been prepared for it and because I'm so deeply thrust into it but yeah I've been you know journaling and writing and talking a little bit more and more over time about 
motherhood. And there's, I think with this level of intentionality and consciousness, like even prior to conceiving and bringing that into this pregnancy, I'm aware of so many like micro shifts and initiations that prepare me for being, prepare me for birth and then prepare me for being a mother because ultimately birth is an initiation into that. It's total surrender, total death of who you are because there's this wave and this this force moving over you that you can't do anything. You can't, you try to fight it. You're going to constrict. You're going to go into pain. It's going to knock you over. It's going to knock you out. Like you you can't, you, the only way out is through and you have to surrender. And so I'm experiencing that in the broader context of my life right now. Um, and it's, yeah, it's supported from all angles and directions. I love that. And, and to see that transition and witness that has been really beautiful and as you're saying, it's not only that it's happening through your pregnancy, but you've, you're in a point that it seems that it's kind of happening all around, right? So within your pregnancy, you are surrendering to what is. And in your business, you are surrendering to what is. And this is also fascinating. And I just, I can't wait to go even deeper into this conversation because I know, I mean, just, you know, the eight minutes that we're in, I, I know the power of this conversation, but let's like rewind a little bit and, and introduce yourself a little bit towards those who are listening right now, the mystic community. And, and just to give a little bit of a background on, on who you are and what you do and where you come from and what's your mission and what you stand for because um yeah let's let's go from there yeah so I above all identify as being a visionary and a creative um in this business I function as you could call me a holistic life and business coach for a minute there I was like no that doesn't define me I need to change it but then I realized oh there's no words that define me so it really doesn't matter <laughs> what I call myself. I'm fine with this for now. Um, but I, you know, got into this work. I run an online um, coaching and mentorship company. I got into this work because I used to have a brick and mortar practice as a psychotherapist. And I hit kind of an income ceiling in that business because I didn't want to work more hours. I was holding space for a baby, for a future family, even back then, because I knew these little souls were around me. And, um, you know, the work that I was doing with people was so deep from the inside out. And I started having business owners show up in my practice and our conversations went well beyond just the world of psychotherapy, emotions and relationships. Like we went into business and leadership and all of this. And so I basically channeled an eight step process and was called to a Facebook ad and launched into the online world and eventually found my way to, to what I'm doing now. So I'm the conscious leader of the evolution revolution, which is a global movement to birth the new earth. So I work with people who I call future forgers. They're here to bring in the new paradigms for life, but also the new systems for life on this planet as everything that we've known to date is crumbling and collapsing because it's not energetically solid. Um, because so much, you know, darkness and shadow has been baked into the essence of everything we know is our normal reality right now. All of these things are, are being rebuilt and recreated in ways that are sustainable and aligned with the higher value system for humanity um, that also supports, you know, life or <laughs> supports Gaia, supports animals, supports little human beings. And so they're creating new paradigms and new systems and also doing it and walking paths and journeys that have never been walked before. So bringing in new energetic templates is just really transformational, really leading edge work in the space of consciousness but we do the work deeply from the inside out and to me there's no way to avoid doing it in the proper sequence working on oneself and on one's soul embodiment relationship with the divine and their own soul then working on their marriage then solidifying their family and cleaning up those dynamics from that space their true business energy is born and then from that space, the business can grow and create momentum to become what it's meant to be and eventually become a vehicle for wealth creation that pours over into investing in and creating other businesses and building ultimately a global uh, family enterprise. Because the way I see the future is that community and family and business are all overlapping. So, you know, 
you're working with people who are in your community, you're working with your family, your businesses, a way of life, your hobbies are healing one another who live in community. It's all so deeply interconnected. And from this space of this deep inside out work, we create really, really, really solid examples that ground the new energies and ground the new templates and what it actually looks like to live in the new earth in the 5d planet um so this is the work that i do we do everything from very practical stuff you know offer creation and pricing and you know hiring and all of that stuff to very deep work you know psychic development healing ancestral lines and past lives and, and raising children who have magical abilities and oh, it's an incredible scope of things and um, I wouldn't trade it for the world and a lot of the work too does center around money because money is one of the most difficult things for humans to let go of on a material level you know most things in our life we get to a stage in our spiritual growth that we can let go of and surrender, you know, our health, our relationships, where we live, what we're doing for a living. But when it comes to money, it's like, oh, the programming is so heavy. But no, I have to be responsible. No, I have to take care of the money. But I would follow that soul calling. But mm, when I look at the money, it just it doesn't add up. That's the hardest thing for us to strip away. Therefore, it's like the most potent system for us to transform through. And then as we become the people who are unattached to money and therefore can hold and filter a lot of money and wealth through us and through our higher value systems, we see that changed in the world. If we value the soul and family and love as our top values truly, and we spend money in alignment with our soul and family and love, then we will be contributing to the businesses and to the things in life that are driven by soul and family and love. And those will be the ones that rise as everything else falls. So money is this great vehicle for translating what's etheric into our material world. And it's also a massive <laughs> initiator in your spiritual evolution. So that's kind of the gist of what I do. I love that. And, and I want to kind of really move into, because I actually don't know, um, Melissa, like, how your whole journey started and, and the beginning of your practice and, and how you, you got to where you are right now. But before we move into that, I do want to say, because it's so interesting where you're talking about money. And I think you, you just had a class that was called Money Mystics, I think. Yeah. Mystics, um, and, yeah. Mystics and Money. It was so interesting because, you know, what I've seen also mm -hmm. as a reflector for the shift in the collective right now is, is this like money consciousness really shifting the understanding that like as you're saying like money before was the only thing was a non-negotiable like non-negotiable so much in it so much programming and it really dictated everything in our lives and I feel like right now we're starting to understand that it dictated everything in our lives because of the power that we give it and the relationship that we have with it that we thought at some point that it was like we were kind of like prisoners to that currency. And it's very interesting to see from my family, from my friends, from my clients, their shift in consciousness when it comes to money, because they're starting to bring the, like to shift the, the priority balance and to bring things into the forefront of their lives. And then letting money support that instead of being money, the one that is in the forefront. So this whole thing, it's, like literally fascinating and seeing how now we're starting to prioritize the quality of life, our marriages, our lives, our businesses, like so many deeper things, and then allowing money to kind of come in as a secondary supporting currency, which is what it's supposed to be, right? It's supposed to support our economic, it's supposed to support our growth and, and, and our evolution. So it's been fascinating to witness. Like, have you seen that huge shift in money consciousness lately? Yeah, huge, you know, and a lot of people embarking on it for the first time, but also a lot of people who've already so detached from money and have repeatedly put money to the back and followed the soul calling, being thrust back into it with money, myself included. 
um, you know, I started this business putting $9,000 on a credit card for a program that I didn't even know what it was like legitimately on the first call that I had, they were like, Oh, did you do this, this and this? I'm like, no, I didn't know there were those things. Oh, did you know you're like going to do an online business? I was like, no, I don't even know what I bought. I put that on a credit card and then another investment, another investment, another investment. I got myself up to over six figures in investment debt, somehow able to make all my minimum payments, but the money was never predictable. But it's because I kept following soul calling after soul calling after soul calling, and I wasn't letting the money dictate all of the things. So I went through all of that for years, right? And I like finally got to a place where I was like, okay, I hold the energy. I'm pure. I'm clean. I'm detached from the money. And then the money came in, right? So I thought I got that. But then because this is such a big part of my mission and because this is such a stronghold in society and because I believe this fall, this is something that's going to be rocked for a lot of people, I'm thrust back into the but wait, now that you have all this money, are you going to allow it to come back to the forefront or can you still stay unattached from it and continue to follow the soul path, right? So it's like dipping in and out of money to see like, can I handle it? Can I hold my spiritual power in all of the circumstances of money? Um, and I, yeah, I'm seeing it everywhere and I'm seeing the most beautiful thing I'm seeing. And I see this most intimately with my clients, of course, because we go so deep and I talk with them so often, but they're, they're getting it. They're getting what I know. And I'm always embodying on a deeper level, which is the truth that in this new earth, money comes as a reflection of, and a result of holding soul wealth, being whole as a being, feeling wealthy, abundant, fulfilled, complete, wealthy, totally at peace as a being the money is the reflection that comes from that space I and love that that we can use in the world to further the things we want to see in the world yeah that is such a big one because even yesterday like how funny it is right every time I have downloads every time and I don't sometimes they're so random and then of course conversations like this come up and I'm like yes of course I had that you know, download yesterday because it was for this conversation. But um, I have, it's so interesting that you say and you talk about soul wealth because I have a program that's called Soul Abundance. And we we actually talk about that, that it's that, that sovereignty, that inner fulfillment that actually is what reflects back that because you can't create abundance out of lack right now. You can't create abundance and wealth out of, I don't have it right now. It's not working for me right now. I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm separated from it because then that's what you're literally creating right now that you're separated from it. And I was walking yesterday in nature and there was this thing, I was just kind of, I, I do this walks where I just, I kind of feel like adding on to, to my energy. So I just start to like raise my frequency and my vibration to this euphoric state. And one of the things that came through was like, I am abundant right? You know, that, that kind of mantra. And then the, the, the download was, you're not abundant. You are abundance. And I was like, yes, exactly, exactly it. And because it's a lot of the times we, we, we see it as like as an add on, right? I am abundant, but like it's like condition. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's a frequency. It's a, it's a beingness. Yes. So I love that, that you're saying, you know, if you want to create wealth, if you want, like, if that's what your desire, then you've got to feel it inside. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be emanating from you. And if that's the truth of what you're emanating, then the world is going to reflect that back to you in so many different ways. But I understand that, you know, sometimes because when you, when we follow our soul calling, it's not linear. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so hard to trust it sometimes because it's like a lot of the times it doesn't make sense to the linear path of I make this money, I put this money here and this money comes back like that. Like they're so limited to what we can comprehend with the mind and the soul just works in a, to in a totally different, you know, sequence, which gets me to the point of something that you mentioned that was, can we use our mind when it's needed? Like, can we talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, 
the way I see it is that just like we've put money on a pedestal and we've given our power over to money, we've done that with our minds. You know, we've put our minds on a pedestal and given our power over to the brain, right? Like intellect is so valuable, academic accomplishment, how many degrees you have, what kind of grades you get, how smart you are. Like we've put that on a pedestal, which is actually hysterical because honestly, when you look at even the wealthiest people today, they're not the intellectuals. <laughs> they're the high school dropouts, always. It's so funny that we do that. As that like is so interesting. Majority, right? Because Yeah, it doesn't even match the evidence, but whatever. That's what most people were doing. We're valuing the mind over everything. And like all we're doing our entire lives is just programming our brain with different beliefs that other people are spewing about, right? Like we read a book, we're gathering information, we're getting knowledge, blah, 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 mind, 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 mind. And we've so maxed out the mind because now we have the internet that is like this ultimate brain that any information you could ever want, you could find it. Although censorship makes that more challenging, but you get my point. <laughs> Whatever you want to know. Totally. Is there. So we can't just value the mind anymore, right? And I think this is actually a, 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 diver, a path of divergence in our spiritual evolution as humans. Now it's time for the mind. I, I This is the way that I say it. And I said it in one of the, some of the copy that I wrote for one of my masterclasses, but the era of the mind is king as over. And it's time to journey completely from our heads to our hearts and from our hearts to our higher hearts into our soul and embodying that, letting that be the essence of who we are. Because what happens is at this point in time, you either embark on that journey and you embrace the challenge and the uncertainty and you're willing to walk through the pain that is often held in your heart and in your body that we often separate from when we live in the head and in the mind. You're either going to embark on that journey and go deeper and deeper and deeper into the unknown, eventually into full surrender and eventually into 5D living where there is no separation between money and you're knowing that you are all things, including abundance and wealth. Or you're going to go deeper into the mind because it feels safe. It feels conditioned. Like you need your logic. You need a plan. You need to know what's going to happen. You need to. And so you go deeper into that and into the matrix and into this illusion of security we have in the material world and on that path <laughs> you're aligning with the very inorganic timeline which eventually leads to the devolution of humanity the separation from our souls the separation from the things that make us most human our emotional bodies our psychic nervous systems and our energetic systems which is how we end up with gray aliens they have these huge heads these have these shriveled up bodies I've, if you've ever met them, which I've met them, they're very cold. They don't have the emotional bodies. They don't have auras like we do. They devolved. They put all of their development into the mind. And now what are they doing? They're coming back, harvesting human DNA to try to recapture all that they've lost. But they're doing it from a technological mind standpoint. They're not going through healing and integration and evolution to regain their emotional bodies and their psychic nervous systems. They're trying to harvest them scientifically and medically from people's DNA and install them back in so they could reactivate their DNA because they realize this didn't lead anywhere. <laughs> they were not able to sustain their species on technology and on the mind alone. So this is the great split. And when we meet these great aliens, these are future humans who have devolved. And this is the path we're being embarked on now, right? Even with things like COVID, you can go the path of having medical technology injected into your body to try to like fight this virus from the planet, or you can go the path of healing yourself from the inside out <laughs> and surrendering to life or death what it is, but doing the work to be healthy mind, soul, and body and supersede, you know, all of these material chaotic events that occur. Like these are the choices we're being given. Are you going to the mind? Are you going to the heart? Are you going to these things we try to control and trying to be, you know, more powerful than God in a way, because we're trying to control all of the circumstances of life. Or are you going to surrender and recognize that you are an aspect of God and you have that power within you? We don't need to impress it upon and over one another and over medicine and over technology and over our businesses and all of these things. Um, it's just a huge timeline split that we're embarking on. It's so much more than just... <laughs> the mind and the heart. This is the big deal. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. And I think what is really interesting as what you're saying is 
at the end of the day, what do we rely on? Yeah. At the end of the day, what do we, what do we believe on? And, you know, I feel like when there is different difference of, differences on opinions, you know, what you believe is what you believe, what I believe is what I believe, what whoever is listening to this conversation is what they believe in. I feel the important thing is to remember is like, what are you relying relying on when making decisions of what you decide to believe on or not? Mm-hmm. So for me, and I would love for you to share too, what is it that you rely on? But for me, what I rely on is my sovereignty as 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 a being. So it's what feels good in my body, what like the healing process that I've taken myself through to clear my connection to myself and what is truth to me beyond you know the program and the media and all the things that I that we hear on a daily basis so I think it's our sovereignty in our own leadership now that it's even more important than ever to really make decisions based not on pressure and not on you know following blindsided but in our in who we are yeah yeah that's exactly it like whatever you're relying on is what you're making God in your life you know, am I making this quote expert in business, this expert in medicine, this expert in health or whatever the topic may be, this parenting expert? And I, am I making them God and taking everything that they say as my authority? Or am I recognizing that I am, I have my own direct connection to God, to the divine. I am an aspect of God. I have my intuition, the Holy Spirit, my soul, whatever, my higher self, whatever you want to call it that will always tell me what is true. And then I can look to the things outside of me for information that I can bring in and filter through my own sovereign system of knowing um, to find what's true. That's exactly it. But we really have to break it down into simple metaphysics. Like whatever you are putting as your authority is what you're making God. And be sure that whatever you are agreeing to follow, all of the things, no matter what, is what you want to be your God in your life. Indeed, indeed. I love that. One of the things that I've seen you firsthand in, in witness, it's your liberation to defining yourself. It's this, you know, in society and having a business and being an entrepreneur. And, and like you said, I mean, this is the definition when you when you said this is what I do, you know, um, but this is a definition that I have now. It may change and it fits some of it. It's impossible to fit all that I am in a title that it's, you know, a couple of words. So I would love to hear a little bit more about, you know, our our need to define ourselves and what we do and, and to like, make this concepts of the unseen realm comprehensible to the 3D world and in that translation of words and, and, and how has it been for you personally in your life, in your business, and as, as literally as a translator of the universe into this paradigm, how you use that and how you've had to define and redefine and, and use identities to kind of put together who you are in, in, in in your entirety. Yeah. Well, I want to, before I share like my personal experience of it, I kind of want to give an energetic template of it, of like the two contrasting kind of places that we come from when we identify ourselves. And I, and I do that through a metaphor. I always use this metaphor. I love this. I don't know where this came from, but this is the one that I always use. So when, when we come into our lives, we know ourselves as nothing, right? Like we're naked. We're just beings. And then at some point we're told that we're certain things or we get certain feedback and we identify with certain groups and we go through social development as children. And, you know, we learn that we're a daughter. We learn that we're a second born. We learn that we're a student. We learn that we're smart. We're good at baseball. We get all these different identities, right? And so we build up a whole construct and idea of who we are that are all of these identities, but you know, they're, they're ego identities, which again are not bad. And I'm going to come to that when I talk about the two different intentions, but we're unconsciously putting all of these costumes on and we put, you know, all these costumes, all these little bits and pieces and the earrings and the shoes and the hat and the whole thing. And this is now who we are. And then at some point, hopefully we embark on a spiritual journey or we're given the opportunity to embark on a spiritual journey. And what happens is these things start breaking or start falling off or start like 
the color changes and they no longer look as pretty. And then suddenly we're like, wait, this is clothes that I'm wearing. This isn't really who I am. And we go through the dark night of the soul. We go through ego death and we start disidentifying from all these things that gave us a sense of value and worth that was temporary. And that was based in conditions and in the material world. We lose all of that. But then there is a return of the ego because you can't function in this world with no identity, with no way of articulating things, with no ego at all, it's just a construct that allows us to interact with the 3D world, right? Like when Eckhart Tolle went through complete ego death, what did he do? He sat on a bench in bliss for years, but like, you can't feed yourself like that. (laughs) Like you can't even impact the world like that. You can't, like you could only do that for a period of time and you're either going to evaporate into the ethers as an angelic being, or you're going to come back and go, okay, let me re-identify with this world. Like who am I? But the difference is the second time you're consciously choosing your identities And you're no longer attaching yourself to them. So the way I see it is instead of being stuck in this one costume that without it, I'm completely lost. Now I have created a wardrobe and I am the naked being who can open my wardrobe. I have a selection of costumes and outfits and I can choose whichever one I want. That'll suit the activity. That'll suit how I feel. That'll suit my intentions. I can put it on. And then at the end of the day or the end of the hour or the meeting or whatever, I can take it off. It's a tool for me that I'm consciously, I have mastery over it. It doesn't define me. So it's more of a game. Like this is where I quote Shakespeare. I had to memorize this monologue at one point from As We Know It, but all the world's a stage, all its men and women merely players. Each has their entrances and exits. And that's the thing that we forget, like this whole thing You could call it a video game. You could call it a projection. You could call it just a game. You could call it a theater. You could call it a performance. To me, it's a theater. This life is a theater. And this helps me experience anger and grief and sadness and joy and all of the the emotions that I feel as equally beautiful because they're all essential in creating a theatrical experience, right? This is a theater and we are creating and conducting our lives in beautiful artistic expressions. And so we get to be whatever character we want to be or need to be, depending on whatever context we're in, but we don't need to be a character in order to know that we're worthy, in order to be abundance, in order to feel secure. Those things have to come first. Otherwise, you find yourself needing to put something on to go to bed at night, or you're lost, and you're vulnerable, and you just can't function. So I call myself a holistic life and business coach now. And I don't care that it doesn't feel like it captures me because I work holistically. I work with businesses and I work on life with people. So like good enough, that's about as broad as I can get that I feel aligned with. I used to call myself a therapist and that was one of the hardest ego deaths that I went through because so much of who a therapist is, you're kind, you're compassionate, you're empathetic, you have knowledge and expertise, you help people, you can make money doing what you want you're respected in the world. Like so much of that was so closely aligned with like the pure essence of who I am at a soul level that when I took on that identity, I was that in friendships. I was that in my marriage. I was that in my business. It felt like me. So when I walked away from my psychotherapy practice and eventually was called to give up my license completely, it was very disorienting. I didn't realize how much I needed that to feel okay, to feel valuable, to know my place in the world. So no longer calling myself a psychotherapist really forced me to go deeper into who I am and really forced me to recognize some of the limitations and boxes I'd put myself into by choosing this identity. Because with an identity comes all kinds of different beliefs, you know, all kinds of constructs and paradigms that are attached to that definition of who you are. And at some point it became too limiting and I couldn't expand any further on my spiritual path. That was so hard for me to let go of. And I struggled for the longest time feeling like I needed to define myself. Okay, like who am I and what I do? What's my message? Give me clarity. Like all these things felt like what was needed, but that's only because I was so uncomfortable with just embracing the ambiguity of who I am at a soul level and the fact that I am the master of my reality and I am the costume chooser and the costume creator. So there's a responsibility and there's 
a lack of the type of certainty that we're used to as human beings in that space. So now when I chose this label and now when I use this label, it's like, it's cool. I'm changing all the time. In this conversation, I call myself that, but in another conversation, I might call myself something different. It doesn't matter. My energy is consistent. I'm always channeling and teaching in the words and the forms that work best for people anyways. You know, the words that I'm given are always going to reach the most amount of people who can hear my and receive my message at any given time. Like it's not really up to me and it doesn't really matter. These things are, are temporary. That is so beautiful. And I love the whole analogy of the theater because I, I can really relate to that, to, you know, redefining yourself and using different costumes and not having to be attached to one costume because you feel too naked or because it's like, you know, a lack off or like you don't feel whole. I love that because the more we are free and in embodiment of our truth, which is very, I, I have this thing that I feel like our, our home base frequency is very neutral. Like we don't, you know, the emotions and the customs and the identities and the experiences, all of it, you know, move, move us out of that neutrality, which then we experience things. But at the, at the base, at the bare core of who we are, it's very neutral. And then we get to experience all of those things. So the more we can go back to that neutrality, which is just literally beingness, the more and more we can sovereignty, you know, make decisions and have identities and move through life and, and really see it as a game and as a, as a, a theater rather than, you know, this very heavy experience. But, okay, I really want to go back to the very beginning <laughs> of, like, your personal story and, like, how did this all came for you? Because, you know, we've talked about this and we, we work together in, like, your business and, and the idea that one of the biggest things that I want to share with everybody, and I hope it's okay that I do share, it's like your timeline that was so interesting. So Melissa and I did this uh, business reading on her business. And it was so interesting for me to read the energy of her business, because for a lot of people, we're moving from here to the future. And for Melissa, it's the opposite. She's moving from the future back to the now. So she's kind of, kind of like bringing like, like time backwards kind of thing because <laughs> the future for her and her business is more solid than the now in a sense it's a very 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 amazing so what I want to say with that is like having that very unique timeline and and, and that unique business and, and the uniqueness of your message and who you are because when you speak I can feel your depth and I can feel the connection with spirit and the connection with divine that you have so how did that whole thing started like did you grow up as a kid feeling this did you had an awakening at some point how did how did this whole thing came through and solidified yeah I um I grew up in a very um traditional strict fear-driven controlling <laughs> Christian religious environment um on my mom's side of the family, there are Southern Baptists who don't cut their hair and wear long skirts and like, you know, the whole nine yards, go to church every day, all that. On my dad's side of the family, they're in all kinds of weird Christian cults where they homeschool and they don't believe in birth control and they close swap and it's all just very, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Now where I grew up, it wasn't that intense. My parents, like my Parents both went to um, Christian schools at different periods. They met at a Christian school, and they got literally paddled as teenagers for holding hands. And in their church, they weren't allowed to have percussion instruments, drums, or dancing because that was like sin, right? So this is the context oh. I come from. My parents weren't quite as strict with us, but I did go to church every Wednesday and Sunday. My parents volunteered there. I was reading the Bible, memorizing the Bible. I did Bible drills, like memorized the Bible from when I was very young, always very, very involved in church. And I was in second or third grade and I was in church and I had my first direct interaction with Jesus, like Jesus Christ, who I know Jesus to be now, not who the church necessarily teaches Jesus to be. And I cried and I was praying and I felt it and I was so moved. And I told my mom and she was like, oh, okay, we'll get you baptized. Because in the church, it was like a Baptist, kind of a Protestant 
sect of Christianity. In the church, you know, when, when your child calls them Jesus, then you get them baptized. But I never actually got baptized. My entire family has been baptized. I've never been baptized. But I really did develop from that moment on a very personal relationship with Jesus. And actually, just a couple of years ago, I pulled out all of my old journals and diaries. I've been journaling since I was in third grade. Legitimately, I still had the little diary with the teddy bear on the front that had a little key on the side that I oh my cut out. That's so cute. It's so cute. I cut out a part of my dresser drawer and I tucked it under and I hid it in my dresser so no one could find it. I pulled that out and I had so many letters back and forth with Jesus throughout my entire life. And I was always intuitive in some sense, you know, even adults when I was young would come to me and tell me things that were totally inappropriate to tell younger children, but they would tell me. And I don't know if I ever said anything or if just my energy was healing for them. I don't know, but I've always kind of had a thing. And in, in ninth grade, I would say this is like one of the the parts of my path. Um, I moved from Texas to Pennsylvania and they didn't offer it. In Texas, they offered AP, like an advanced level of psychology in high school. In Pennsylvania, they didn't offer that. And I had a very strong calling to psychology, like to that entire field. So I started taking classes at a community college at night while I was in Pennsylvania in psychology. And that was where I really felt, I would say, the most material, like most grounded aspect of my intuition and of my soul for the first time, because everything that I was learning came so naturally and organic to me. The professor was blown away. The other people in the classroom, like it was just an interesting experience. And I felt really at home. Now, at that point, I was still religious, but I was starting to rebel. I was starting to rebel. And then later that year, um, I mean, I was religious to the point that I like spoke at fundraisers. We hosted events at our house for religious groups. I mean, all of this. But also what I found in Pennsylvania was that the church that we went to, the people there didn't have even the level of kindness and compassion that the people at our churches in Texas did. They were so hypocritical that I was so disgusted. So I started to rebel for that reason. And also just emotionally, you know, I started drinking and smoking and all these other things. Things were bubbling under the surface. And it was... You know, I have such like a terrible sense of time, but at some point in high school, I had spontaneously memories of satanic, ritualistic, sexual abuse come back, like full detail, images, feelings, everything. And I remembered being satanically abused where the Bible was read to me, but inverted and twisted. And I was programmed and I was abused sexually from the time I was very young. And um, all of that sparked... (laughs) very intense PTSD and complex PTSD, but it also really blasted wide open my psychic abilities again, which were blasted wide open through those ritualistic experiences. When I was young, they were using me because I had that connection and I could bring in that energy that they could harvest because they're parasitic. They don't have their own channel to God. That's the whole, that's what Satanism is. It's an inversion of how our systems actually function. They're harvesting energy from others rather than cultivating their own direct energy. So my psychic abilities blew wide open and I hated God. I hated, I had so much anger. I was disgusted. I wanted nothing to do with any of it. And I ended up getting deeper and deeper and deeper into drugs. First night of college, I was blowing lines of cocaine, like pain pills after that, like lived with drug dealers, was homeless in, you know, like meth trailer parks with people who stole pipes and sold them for money and gave their six-year-olds drugs. Like it was crazy. And I ended up during that time period being diagnosed as bipolar in the middle of a psychotic episode. And I was heavily medicated, which made my hair fall out and made me feel like a zombie 24-7. Fast forward, I ended up eventually calling my parents and being like, okay, now they had cut me off at this point, but I called them and I was like, okay, I, I need to come home. Like some things had happened. I almost died a few times, car accident, various things. And I hit like a rock bottom. And so I went home and I went to a dual diagnosis treatment program for mental health and substance abuse issues. And this program, they taught me Tai Chi and they taught a little bit of meditation and they had a coloring hour because like literally all I could do at this point was like color. Someone would ask me what I wanted to eat for lunch and I would cry because I couldn't even put together thoughts or like desires on what I wanted to eat. It was terrible. 
And in one of the coloring sessions, there were astrological, you know, figures. And so they told me what my sign was and they gave me a drawing of a lion that said Leo on it. And I colored it and I felt this connection. And then this woman, this young woman who came home because she was diagnosed schizophrenic or whatever at college came into the group one day, the group therapy, and she brought this little wooden elephant. Oh my God, I have it right here. She brought this little wooden elephant and she goes, I don't know why, but I feel like you were meant to have this. I got this in India when I was doing an exchange program a couple of years ago and I love it, but it's meant for you. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. And somehow this led me to looking up the meaning of the elephant, which led me to Hinduism, which led me to um, meeting Ganesh, Ganesha for the first time. And this was my first spirit guide. So I had understood myself as a Leo. I had met Ganesha. I had practiced Tai Chi, which actually made a difference in all of my symptoms. The psychiatrist at this place believed me when I said, I'm not crazy. Can you take me off the medication? And he weaned it down. And things started from there. Um, I mean, there's so much more that I could tell you, but I feel like I just gave you a lot. So (laughs) if you want to take that for a second. Quite a story. Thank you so much for sharing. And the whole time that you're sharing this story, because I'm like, well, we're really getting into the personal, into the knowing of like who you are and this experience on earth. And it's, it's so fascinating to listen to it. And it's so interesting that, of course, we're, you know, we get to this point at the very end of the episode because it's like your timeline, it's backwards. Always, Danielle. <laughs> like, of course, you know, we have this episode in which we don't start with the story and kind of introducing yourself, but it's like backwards, right? We start from now and we go all the way back to the very beginning. So it's so interesting and so aligned that we're actually talking about this by the er- by the very end of our conversation. It's just fascinating. I'm like, you know, there is, which gets me to the point is like, everything is just in divine order if we allow it to, right? If we're not pushing it, if you're not forcing it, it's just, you know, we can't really see how it is all divinely put together in the moment that we're living it. But when we do look back, it's just, you know, it's there. But what a story. Thank you so much for sharing all of that, Melissa, because even just sharing that story, I'm sure that, you know, some will resonate, some will, you know, feel that there were parts of that that they have been through or there are parts of that that somebody else has been through, just identifying themselves with some of those stories and, and, and your journey in general. So, I mean, I have no words after that. <laughs> that's not even like half of my story but <laughs> it gets weirder but yeah it was a lot um and it's see that's the thing like I'm you know backing up in from the future I'm bringing energy from the future into the now that's my job which is why I'm like a leader of leaders of the new earth because I'm holding all of the codes and the templates for all of it it's more real to me than this weird shit that we're in right now <laughs> Um, but so I've been through a lot of different things to be able to resonate with all of the old energies and a lot of different people who are going to bring in kind of the new systems and paradigms. So it's just been a lot of weird stuff. I do want to say one thing, cause it's very important to me that people understand this. When I was psychotic, it was a combination of trauma. So like unprocessed emotions, but also it was really my psychic abilities. Like I legitimately, I told the guy, I was like, I talked to Jesus. Like I could speak as Jesus right now. And he thought I was bananas, but legitimately like Jesus was right there. I was totally talking to Jesus. And I would be like, I can read people's thoughts. And he like thought I was crazy, but legitimately I was reading people's thoughts. So like coming full circle. And I worked at one point, I worked in an, an uninsured like Baker Act facility, which is where they force you to go. If you're very mentally ill and can't care for yourself or very suicidal or homicidal. And I came to recognize all of these people who were schizophrenic, psychotic, you know, schizoaffective disorder, all the worst disorders. They're all just very psychic and have a lot of trauma. (laughs) And a lot of times things go hand in hand, early, early, early life traumatic experiences blow open Mm -hmm. your access to the invisible. Um, So I just always want to mention that when I mention the mental health stuff, because people want to start talking mental health. And I'm like, no, this is not a mental health conversation. Like there's a reason why I retired my license. Um, so yeah, I wanted to mention that, but it, I mean, my story is very interesting. I tell a lot of pieces of it, a lot of places. And um, 
yeah, I hope that it resonates with people and, um, you know, helps them connect dots for themselves or come more into who they are. And yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought that piece because I mean, for me, listening to that, I went directly to that understanding. Like for me, it's not a conversation about mental health. It's a conversation about trauma and it's a conversation about psychic abilities and the, the being of the future kind of thing. <laughs> like, you know, when people don't know why you're acting the way you're acting, the things that you're saying, all of it, then they go into fear. And then the first thing is let's lock you. Let's, you know, shut you up all these things. And, and so for me, as I listen to the conversation and as I listen to the, your story, I immediately go into, well, the people around you didn't understand it. We're afraid of it and all these things. But I think it's very important, as you mentioned, to say for anybody who's listening, you know, our ways of, of looking at these things, which is most of the time, very deep trauma exploding at the same time as your psychic abilities are like saving your life kind of thing mm -hmm. so it's like they come in to save your life to to connect you back and, and to be a way of, of moving back into sovereignty and into your truth but that is that is quite an explosion <laughs> yeah yeah well it comes back in to reconnect you but also all of the traumatic emotions that have been compartmentalized in that same compartment are all of your psychic abilities because where you first access those for me, especially going through satanic ritualistic abuse, like the first time I experienced the most psychic experiences was in the same space and memories and timeline as the trauma. So when I went to the trauma and that came back, the rest of it came too, which makes for quite a swirl of stuff to digest. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Oh, that's so interesting. Right. Right. No, I totally understand because then the memories are merged together. <laughs> Yeah, they're like neurologically wired together. Mm, yeah. Which is why people have these terrible like delusions when they're schizophrenic. It's like they're seeing demonic stuff. They're wired into the lower fourth astral. It's a very low frequency resonance that they're holding to the psychic plane because it comes from their trauma experiences where those kinds of demons were harvesting from them. So it's just, I don't know, this conversation, God, I could write a book on that, but yeah, enough on, enough on that. <laughs> and it's so interesting you know to to have moved through through certain things and then to be able to speak from from your truth because at the end of the day you know as I said at the beginning you you believe in what you believe and your truth is your truth and you decide what is it that you want to bring into your reality and make truth because at the end of the day the truth is what you decide to be truth so but having that start like for you, this is true for you because this is your experience and this is what you move through. And this is like your life. And I think that is such a beautiful thing to have moved through that and then to really devote your whole entire life to this truth that is yours and to help others and forge the path for others and lead others who are also in the same um, lane as you are. I think it's it's quite remarkable. So. I yeah. see you. Yeah. You know, I, I just want to mention, like, I actually don't agree with the whole your truth thing. There is, there are, people have different perspectives and different lowercase t truths. But one of the things that I think is a little out of balance right now is that most people who are in the spiritual space are more in connected to the Eastern mysteries, a little bit more connected to what the new age religion holds. It is a religion at this point. It's been hijacked like every other religion to what Buddhism holds, to what a lot of these philosophies hold, which is very focused. It's the feminine mysteries is very focused on oneness and the collective and, you know, all of these beautiful, beautiful things. But what a lot of people are missing is the integration of the masculine of the Western mystery schools and what those teachings are. And when you bring those together, there's a simultaneous knowing that there are capital T truths. There is an objective reality. There are laws of spirituality. Like metaphysics is a science more than any science that we call science is today. It's precise. And there is an objective reality. And there are things that are true with a capital T, like high order truths. And then simultaneously, there are different lowercase t truths, different perspectives that we hold, different beliefs that we take on for a time period. But for me, it's important to recognize that both 
are equally important. And a lot of people don't like to say that there's capital T truths and that, sorry, but this is actually untrue. There is a resonance to truth and there is a resonance to lies and falsehoods. And like that's a very real part of the world that I think when we lose sight of that, we're kind of on um, shaky ground in these times because, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of untruths, a lot of smoke and mirrors are coming up for us to, um, to reckon with. So it's an unpopular conversation, but to me it is, it is important. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that and, and sharing that point of view, because I see it exactly as you're saying, you know, there are capital big T's and, and lower T's and, and things like that. And and the thing about me and spirituality is like, I'm, I'm really open. So I kind of give a hug to all of it. And then, you know, that's the way I see it. But I, I truly appreciate the fact that you're sharing this, that is so true for you. And the fact that this is how, where you stand. And, and I think it's very important to have people like you who are standing very strongly in what, in what they in what their truth and what their beliefs and, and, and what they're teaching, because as you're saying, otherwise it becomes really, really shaky in a way of like, you know, then, then what is it? Um, so, so I really appreciate you cha- sharing your point of view and your truth and, and, you know, your reality. I think one of the things that I do want to say, in my opinion, of, of your truth is your truth is like, they, they are capital big truths, if you think about it, but it's also a choice, a personal choice for us to opt in on that or not, like, whether it's true or not, whether it is really the ultimate truth, you do have the choice to opt in or not. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, your deep valuing and holding of the your truths perspective is perfect for your purpose and your role and your position in the planet. Like I could not help ground the new earth if I was sitting in that space though, because there's exactly. not reality and because I have to factor in the timeline splitting, like the bifurcation of society that we're going into right now, because the new earth does not exist on this timeline and those people will not access it. And I, I have to, I am living in that. Like this, this is like, I know that, like, I know the future I'm living in that. I see that. So like, I have to be in, in that level, in that space of integration to do what my job is. Like, I don't have to change yours. And that's the thing, right? Like, I don't have to change the way that you see it, but I do want to say that when I have the opportunity to say it, because there are other people out there who have other roles in the planet and need to understand, no, there is an objective reality. And the decisions that you make during this ascension cycle will determine whether you evolve or devolve as a human. And if you devolve, you're going to fall lower than we've ever been. And it's going to be very difficult for you to come out of that level of karma into your soul. Um, people need to understand there are true consequences for the choices that you make at this time, whether you opt into the organic timeline or opt into a false inorganic reality. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's very important that, as you say, you, you, whatever you like your own understanding of it, it's really unique to your role here in this moment. So I feel like the most important it is, is to be truth to your own role. Yes. Because that's really how we, we come together and and we actually play out our role in, in our, in our mission per se of, of here. So, so thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it because I see you in your truth and I see you in your role. And, and this is part of what you need to share within your your perspective. And I also think anybody who's listening to understand that you don't have to opt in, you know, to either yours or mine, but there's also their role, the, what is it and how they want to stand on it. It's perfect for them. Yep. So Melissa, you're so amazing, love, and and I'm so honored to have you in my life. And and for us to be able to have a conversation, even if we don't agree, even if we have different concepts, different understandings of it. But I think it's so interesting to to sit and to explore the cosmos and to talk about all these things. And, and for me to listen to your conversation and for everybody here in Mystic Podcast to to listen and to you know get a glimpse of a glimpse because I'm again I, I know there's so much other parts of your story that are just as extraordinary but to get a glimpse of who you are it's such a blessing and I'm sure that many who are here would like to continue to be in your world and to connect with you so where can they find you um the best place is on Facebook um just find my personal profile Melissa Buffington and I have a Facebook group there as well called life as art it's a free community 
for anybody who is committed to creating their life as art, you know, beautiful families, communities, and businesses of the future. That's what it's about. Uh, so to join the groups directly, the link is on my personal profile, but you can also just go to facebook.com backslash forward slash, I always get corrected on this, forward slash groups, forward slash life as art MB. Um, and that will take you to the space where you can opt into the group. I'm also on Instagram. You can follow me there. I share lots of stories on both Facebook and Instagram, but that's going to be the best space. Perfect. And we will make sure to share all of this on our show notes. Thank you so much, Melissa, for, for this time. I really appreciate your time and your energy. And thank you, everyone who is here listening to this conversation. I love you and we'll see you next time.